0: And I'm Elisa Romeo.
1: Today we're talking about the astrological wisdom for these times. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Whole and Human. Here we go.
0: <laughs> Buckle up. Today. We're talking about what is going on in the world, and the universe, and the multiverse. Yeah. We have so much to say tonight, and I think...
1: It's been hard to talk about these times. There's so many dynamics going on. There's so many levels in which we can look at it. Uh, And I think what's difficult about these times is it would be nice if there was a easy spiritual solution or conclusion to everything but there's not because there's not really a a a sentence or like a fortune cookie answer you can get you know or uh i have these funny like yogi tea bags you know and on it they have Mm -hmm. these little quotes and it's like be kind and you'll know (laughs) happiness people love spiritual things like that that can be simplified condensed you don't have to do the real work
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you don't have to psycho educate yourself to like learn more do the deep emotional inner work and and so what i'm trying to say is there's not a simple answer or solution that mm-hmm. we can channel from soul for these times Because there's so many dynamics and it
0: depends on each person's particular soul contracts and what they're learning in relationship to these times. So there are some general things going on that we're going to talk about tonight that are happening planetarily. But then the specifics of what your relationship is to those planetary dynamics is between you and your soul and figuring out what your purpose is right now and in livening, embodying that.
1: Yeah. So there's the individual, there's what we're going through as a community, mm-hmm. there's what we're going through as a globe, uh, and the the universe, and uh, astrologically. So uh, recently, we listened to a great speech uh, by Richard Tarnas, an astrologer, and today we wanted to take on that lens to what's going on in the world.
0: So people know him as Richard or Rick, and Rick Tarnas was a professor of mine at my depth psychotherapy program, Pacifica Graduate Institute, and I love him and learned so much from him. He was a major teacher and is a major teacher for me. He's best friends with Stanislav Grof, who's the head of the transpersonal psychology movement, and they taught a class together in which that's the class that I, when I left, I had a huge spiritual awakening experience that started on the lawn at lunch outside Pacifica, um, that I talk about a little bit and meet your soul and go into more detail yeah. in our next book, Holy Love. Um, and I really believe his energy and Stan Groff's energy initiated me into that experience. And, um, we should off.
1: visit that lawn sometime. I know. By the way, the we two tried of us. to take
0: you there one time. Remember, but we were driving, and I think there was fires or floods. Yeah, in we Santa were. Barbara. We drove past some reason. We couldn't graduate in there,
1: and it was during. Wildfires and there's smoke everywhere. Yeah, we and... were running from the yeah. fires. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well maybe not. It wasn't time. meant to be. Yeah, yeah. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous like property yeah. with hummingbirds and bunnies by the ocean, yeah. um, near Ojai, outside Santa Barbara. They have the right there the the library of Joseph Campbell, so you can go into this beautiful little like cavernous room, and it's to the ceiling with all of his books annotated with his handwriting and notes inside the books. And then there's the Maria Gumbudas uh works there and her her all her arc uh what do how do you say that word? Not, um archaeological finds. Jeez, I can't talk tonight. Uh so hold it holds a lot of the divine feminine. Mary Woodman
1: stuff too there right
0: Woodman stuff. It's really a sacred place.
1: You don't need to go to the uh, Akashic Records. Just show up at that library. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: There's a lot there. Yeah. I used to just sit there, going at lunch, and just sit with all that, yeah. all that material. Um, but tonight, what we wanted to talk about is. Rick Tarnas is. I used to call him Tarnopedia because he's like an encyclopedia where he really has all these. He's he's like a historian, a mythologist, a Jungian, and an astrologist. So he lived and worked at Essel in the '60s and '70s, I believe. And so he, he he used to be the night guard there. So he would just sit up looking at the sky, and um at night, and he got into astrology. But he's such a a genius that he really started to seeing these. Connections. that were greater politically happening and starting to look at history and seeing what was happening in the sky during those times. When I first started learning about astrology, I really, I, I can't say I still understand how it works because I think I initially came to it in more of a causal way of like, what do you mean that if Mars is conjuncting with this planet, that's going to create some dynamic down here, so like a causal relationship Mm -hmm. and Richard really explained to me that it's less about the sky causes something to happen down here and more as above. So below reflection where it's this microcosm macrocosm situation where there's these archetypal energies so that each planet and sign holds these certain Flavors and feelings and dynamics and elemental aspects. And so that when they're activated with each other, like this beautiful dance, so it's kind of like this ballet happening of these characters on stage. Mm -hmm. And depending on who's starring or who's coming forward, that changes the flavor and dynamic of the time. We can think of like the 60s and 70s of having like a strong social movement with feminism and, um, all the hippies, sexual revolution, and then what was going on in terms of the Promethean impulse in Uranus at the time. And, um, so I think it's really kind of taking a step back. I think sometimes we talk, we've talked before in the podcast about systems and I think astrology, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs types, they're all systems. And I think with systems, there's a pro and a con. The pro is it gives you a language to talk about these things. It helps us bring greater intimacy into kind of a deepening of our just like relationship with a topic. And with this, it's like the planets and what they are energetically. The limitation of systems is sometimes we can get stuck in our head and we can not hear our unique soul information because we're trapped in, oh, well, you're just doing that because you're a Leo and that's what Leos do. And you're not maybe seeing some nuance and some depth of what's going on at a deeper level. So I think it sometimes... I think I there's a period when I was at Pacific I started getting really into astrology and reading all these books um by Liz Green and she's great and she's a Jungian and and all of that. and and I started to realize that number one, the way my mind works is it's not my future destiny in the sense of um, the people who are really great at astrology are kind of like mathematicians where it's like you're learning this language and you love and speak that language. And it was a little too systemic for my brain. I really appreciate. And there's times where I really like call upon it and definitely appreciate everything I learned from that time. I was really sponging it up. But I found personally, the soul information was that I was in direct relationship with my soul was a little more precise and accurate and heartfelt for what i uniquely was going through on a day-to-day but i still do like to zoom out and get an astrological angle to kind of orient and have like a map and relationship to that soul information
1: i feel like what astrology does well is describes the the surroundings and the setting that you're in you know it's the backdrop it's like this is these are the elements going on in your life and here are the factors and here are the things that will be tough and the, you know, the dynamics that are being created. Uh, but it's more of a diagnosis rather than a, um, what's the word? Well, um, that's the
0: thing. Sometimes it can be more descriptive and less prescriptive. Yeah, like that's what I It meant. tells yeah. you what's going on, but sometimes you're like, well, what does that mean in terms of what I should do? where
1: we found with soul work that it, the soul work, when you talk to your soul, you get the answer. You might not, you know, get all the dynamics of everything going on in your life, but you'll get what you need to do next spiritually. Yeah,
0: I feel like it's filtered exactly to where your ego is at and what you need to hear on an inner child and psychological level. But it's also nice to have that um, map in terms of like definitely the system can help you prescribe in the sense of like, Okay, well, here's the dynamics at play. So I know more how to, what armor to put on and yeah. when and how to take it off and how to be with it. So that's what today's about. We are going to talk about the astrology of what's going on today yeah. and to use it as a just like background information yeah. so that as everything's happening, you can have a relationship to it that's just more empowered and and then listen to your soul information in relationship to yeah. that astrological information. And I
1: think why we want to talk about this too today and what I find the most fascinating about astrology is the fact that it just is proof that there is a bigger plan. You can't get too far into astrology without running into these, oh my God, this is so accurate, this is so insanely accurate that there has to be some bigger forces at play and that can be such relief yeah. when the world is going through birthing pains yes. when we're going through conflict when we're going through so much to be able to step back and see that there is a bigger divine plan at play. There's
0: an orchestration and a beauty and a birthing happening. Yeah. And I think astrology kind of like shows us exactly like how and where that is. Yeah. And that can be such a comfort. And yeah. also just help you feel tied to um, what are the gods yeah. of astrology saying right now? And yeah. and uh, how
1: do we connect to them? I think a funny metaphor would be like birth. Like if you woke up in the middle of birthing... And never knew what birth was before, you might, you know, have a panic attack. (laughs) Be like, what is happening to me? But if you have somebody be like, this is a contraction. It's part of birth. You're going through this wave. There'll be another wave coming next and talking you through the process, just knowing that there is a linear arc to this birth that will have a conclusion and there will be something else that comes to fruition after that. Uh, can be really comforting.
0: Yeah. So let's get into detail. So for this post, if you go on to holyandhuman.com, you'll see, uh, links to this episode up there and you can click on that and it'll take you to elisaromeo.com where I'll have, uh, birth or an astrology chart of the world transits right now. So you can follow along with what we are talking about. Um, So some of you might really understand astrology and some of this might be review and some of it, hopefully will be some deepening information. Um, But for some of you new to astrology, I'll go over some of the just basics. So you kind of are on board when you're looking at this mystical, confusing picture. The first time I saw an astrology chart, I was just like, what is happening here? Um, So to give you a little basics... And if you want, you can pause this podcast and go get print out or look at this world transit map that um, Rick Tarnas put up. And I'll put the link to Rick's talk too. It's like an hour and a half, he goes into lots of detail. So I was seeing this a little bit like the Cliff Note elisa romeo and soul channeled version of his speech if you want to get into it and you love astrology definitely go check out his work and also his books are insane and i'll link to his website as well but he yeah i didn't
1: really i didn't understand astrology until i wrote cosmos and the psyche uh great book
0: yep that is such a good book the first one i read was the passion for the west of the western mind and it is so uh you know, he's Tarnopedia. It's dense and specific. It's articulate. And his, fifth chakra is like on point. He's like there with like the details of how he uses language is insane. Um, and then he wrote this book, Prometheus, the Awakener, which is so, so powerful, especially if you're into revolutionary change. He talks about just the energy of the Promethean impulse and, and how that historically has has surfaced. And then the arc, uh, yeah, and then, you know, books by Stan Groff to, like, The Way of the Psychonaut is amazing. Spiritual Emergency by Groff is awesome. But anyway, back to astrology. So what you will notice in this chart is, okay, so first you've got the houses. You'll see these numbers 1 through 12 in the inner circle. So those are the houses. Those are kind of the signs of where the planets are, are with what, what signs the planets are in. And you'll notice at the very top of the chart, there's these... Three symbols Um, you've got on the left, Jupiter in the middle is it looks like a four kind of that's uh, the symbol for Saturn. And then on the right, which kind of looks kind of like the feminine symbol of the woman, it's uh, Pluto. So you've got Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto conjunct. What conjunct means is that they're on top of each other in the chart. So when you've got a planet conjuncting another one, that intensifies both of the dynamics between them. So yeah. it's kind of like...
1: Can I just ask for listeners right now? Yeah. Will, do they need to have this chart? or? Um No, they, not really. They'll if, follow along with Yeah, you'll it. fall. Okay. You don't
0: have to get the chart. Um, yeah. We're just... If you're interested, you can go kind of see the specifics. Yeah. Uh, so... You'll see that up there on the top, we've got Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. And then we're going to talk about what each of those mean. And then on the far left, um, you'll see the symbol of Uranus. And we'll mention that as well, um, a little bit later. So, so basically what we've go- got going on right now is a lot.
1: the summary (laughs) the summary
0: is it's a lot right now Have you
1: guys looked outside
0: yeah Yeah. have you noticed what's happening um back in april when we started the holy heart instagram page which is going to be the new website of adam and i's work together coming out i it was one of the first posts and i was really called to write about that type of thing he's talking about and i wrote The dismantling of the old systems has begun. It will be tempting to constrict and spin as old comforts and ways are radically interrupted. It's time to root down and connect to faith in the dark. We have no proof or reason for optimism, but the eternal stillness and evolutionary birthing occurring between each heartbeat of our collective humanity in silence connect to the hum of love holding us all for the next great birthing it is waiting for you to turn to it and remember we are here for this very moment it is time breathe and push the birth has begun and the comment that the quote that i put in 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 the photo was much will be unfolding in the next few months our spiritual job is to stay in the present listen to soul and breathe so it was so interesting because so much of that is pretty much what Rick's saying in his um, April 23rd, you know, pod er, speech, whatever we call it, the workshop he did. And just so I think we're all feeling that, that this is this is it. We've been feeling it for a while and the great birthing is here and it feels almost like can it get any more tension between the opposites? Like how much more of this can we take? Like it's yeah. heating up. The poles are increasing the it's just getting more and more intense and the reality is it's going to continue and as he says in the end of his speech that it's going to go on for the next two to three years so this is really a marathon not a sprint and how do we really Connect into our soul information. This is my version of what he said, but mm-hmm. connect into our intuition so that we can really anchor for the long haul because there's huge planetary influences coming, sweeping us. And it's really easy to get like swept up and we will burn out if we don't really have our own inner navigation to our intuition in our North star. And it's all meant to be all this high geopolitical drama going on is Pluto bringing out the, the shadow that has, which a lot of our systems have been built upon of racism, misogyny, economic inequality, like using up our earth's natural resources. It's time for us to, for it all to be really exposed. And I think the energy of Trump being such a polarizing figure is serving that process of bringing things to light that people are going to have a felt reaction to, or they're going to be highly like on board with, it's going to be one or the other.
1: Well, At least it means by serving is like Judas served (laughs) for a greater planetary purpose. A lot of, some
0: people like the, the Q anonymous, Q non people think, Trump is conscious of his role, and I would disagree, and it feels very unconscious to me what his role is. So we're going to start here with this Jupiter-Saturn-Pluto conjunct on top of each other amplifying all of them, and it's, the astrologists will tell you this is an extremely dramatic situation that's been building for a long time, and it really does have, some people would say the entire Earth history in the balance of these aspects right now. To 2018 became much stronger and then 2019 had this exact alignment and this year it continues into next year with a Saturn-Pluto conjunction and right now we're at the peak of it so all three of those, that conjunction are in square to Uranus, meaning we can have relationships of the planets that are either in hard relationships, more like a, a square or or there's like more mellow relationships that are more like a trine or a sextile. And what we've got going on is this square relationship to Uranus. So so basically the bigger transit that is happening right now that's been going for the last 13 to 14 years is Uranus square Pluto moving to the end of right now. That's this revolutionary change, this emancipatory movement that drives for radical reform. So what that usually means is this hyper speed of tech advance, widespread movements of social justice and impulse for freedom that can be known to arouse mob energy. Freudian's idea of this collective id surfacing that can have very often, sometimes even potentials for problematic elements of the will to power where small subsets of groups try to take over the, from a will to power place. The Jupiter that's coming into triple conjunction is basically it's, um, it's in conjunction to both Pluto and Saturn is a transit for both this year and the beginning of next year. It started in January and it goes into next year. So it's basically this enormous contraction to history that Saturn represents. Saturn is that contraction energy that's the hard energy of birthing that we need to have sustenance endurance for. Um, the shorter transit going on right now is the Uranus part, which gives expands and gives us global international reach for whatever it's touching. In this case, it has this enormous implications into this contraction of history that Saturn and Pluto are representing. It also brings with it this beautiful benevolence or faith or hope that can come with it. And But Pluto can bring in this quality of high drama, which we've got going on right now with this geopolitical high drama happening. And then you'll see Jupiter-Saturn. This conjunction is also very important. So with Jupiter-Saturn, you've got social justice issues coming right to the surface. So Saturn is related to poverty and lack of resources or wealth deficit and those parts of society that when they're combined with other parts of Saturn and Pluto have to do with like the moral principle of something. Um... So we're really seeing that right now with Pluto driving this true Pluto is like, I feel like Pluto always comes in like this crazy, strong chariot energy with this tremendous intensity that so it gives power and exposes this vast social inequity that our society is dominated by. And it's compelled to the surface with these huge platonic impulses that are happening and about... Two months ago, Mars was crossing that triple conjunction, and it reached this, like, activation moment right as the pandemic was reaching a trigger point. And Mars is the warrior, and it can be the aggressor, so it's known to trigger the transit to make it moving faster and more assertively, and to push things into action by this driving forward energy. So that's right as the pandemic was cresting. And it really has, for most of these last months, been right there and right, right there with that triple conjunction that it's now just leaving. So, um, and it was also squaring Uranus as well during that time. So basically, you know, it's, it's really intense what's happening right now. And we've got all these different dynamics that are, It's we're sitting in a crock pot, no, not a crock pot, a boiling, (laughs) a boiling over pot. And that's probably not a surprise to anybody uh, because Saturn is that energy also of kind of feeling trapped. And as the old systems are crumbling, this feeling, yeah, figuratively here, this feeling of um, because it's in a hard aspect right now, it makes things that require demands upon us it's not just these like here's an opportunity you can take it or not the the invitation planetarily is like you've got to rise to this occasion you've got to meet this moment you've got to be on the right side of history um and so we have these when you have like a trine or a sextile or one of these softer relationships there's it's it's kind of like you can work with it or not it's a potential gift you don't have to receive but nobody is getting away right now without being in some relationship to this planetary moment and and what's so great about Saturn is just like with your Saturn return between 28 and 30 Saturn demands us to become conscious and it shapes our character so in our personal lives or of a whole generation and that's What's happening right now is that we will change and grow from this. There will be change happening. Absolutely. Um, There's also sometimes, though, that uh, desire because of the pressure to project out or to scapegoat others because of the intensity can almost feel unbearable. And I'm sure we can all relate to seeing that happening. Um, So some of the characteristics of the Saturn Pluto dynamic are it's there's often a feeling that the world's a dangerous place. And I think we're really seeing that, especially even in Seattle, it's going off right now. Um, there's this feeling of confronting or facing dire circumstances, the environment feels unsafe. So there's this feeling of needing to erect protective barriers. Or boundaries with extreme security precautions, and to fortify our borders, and to have increased re- regulations and laws, and even draconian measures that are going to keep us safe. And so, you're going to see this surge whenever these things happen to authoritarian measures, and people getting more strict as a way of it being like Papa Bear's going to fix this situation and take things into my own hands. And I think. We've all seen little moments of that rising in relationship to this. Um, and in terms of this impulse, there's, you know, w- another time this happened was uh, between 2001, 2004, and when 9-11 happened, right as the same Saturn-Pluto dynamic came into tight alignment, and there was all these anti-terrorist measures put into place, um, and then the whole political reality of bush and cheney with these reactive conservative empowerments which created a whole bunch of security measures which we still deal with when we go to the airport today so one thing tarnas talks about is you know when these alignments happen it's not so much like oh between this month and this month it's really going down it's like that's when the um It's almost like that's when the boulder dropped in the lake, but there's ripples that go on of that going on. So even though you can kind of locate 10 degrees and this period is when it's tight or happening, it's an initiatory moment. So Mm -hmm. there will be ripples of these things felt, but they're still it's like when they're birthing into the collective and being activated and awakened at this time. So this feeling of being trapped, imprisoned, and forced underground and quarantine is a lot of Saturn energy. Saturn is limitation, constriction, reacting, setting up boundaries. Often it has to do with illness and aging and mortality or anxiety and all the things that Saturn can make the problematic aspects of life, the hard parts of life. It's Saturn's also known as Richard used the example of the skeleton and the skull. It's a symbol of death, but it also is the structure that allows us to stand up straight and have a backbone and stand in what we believe in. So we we can't live without our skeleton. And so even though um, it, Saturn energy can be heavy, like lead, it also is that capacity to learn through hard earned experiences, which creates this gravitas and this moral wisdom that we get from Kronos over time. And you feel an elder people who've lived through wars and lived through suffering. And there's a wisdom that you don't get in terms of your character in any other way than that, just holding the tension of the opposites through the experience of life that is felt. And all of that's part of the Saturn complex. And then Pluto is the underworld of Hades, that Dionysian elemental destructive creative element that can be the intensity of a hurricane or a volcano and is the idea of freud's id or nietzsche's will to power and we feel that in the hawaiian goddess pele or certain parts of the indian goddess kali or in the god shiva and so pluto's death rebirth destruction rene- regeneration and it tends to have that drive with of enormous intensity and it powers and impels to overwhelming Energies that can be destructive and also deeply empowering. So, those are conjunct right now. So, we've got that Saturn contraction with the Pluto birth and rebirth um, and death. And so, it's again the word is intense. Um, And the last time we had Saturn Pluto hard aspects, well, there's a couple times where we had to confront mortality on a larger scale like 9/11, the Iraq war, Afghanistan war, but we both World War 1 in 1914 and World War 2 in 39 began under the same Saturn Pluto hard aspect and when the nuclear energies got released we've got so so that's the like drama of this moment we're in. So in some ways that helps to really understand like why have things been feeling so intense and heavy the U S in particular, the way we're located, have this heavy version of the Plutonic because if you look at what people often look at the U S birth chart is, is the moment of the transition going on there, there's this, it's kind of like U S is going through its own version of its um, Saturn return right now. So, it's and what the Saturn return is from 28 to 30, in most people's personal birth charts is this maturational threshold of ending of youth and beginning of adult responsibilities. And I think the US is such a young government, and yeah, that's just an like, interesting way to think about it. Like going through our own Saturn return right now. So, and the Saturn Pluto conjunction can also be this atmosphere of doom, like these apocalyptic anxieties like COVID 19. And it's speaking to this really not just that but the global climate change crisis i think covid-19 it's kind of like we're seeing it in a fast version but it's like the global climate disruption was just marching on it's almost like a slow boil as as opposed to a rapid boil so um there's this moment right now of being able to really see it in a new way because of the boiling over, basically. It's almost like you don't notice the pot's boiling until you see across the room, here comes the bubbles overflowing on the top. And this is that moment where there's no more hiding from what's been happening, what's been going on for a long time. So... Pluto and Saturn in this dynamic, it also often also brings major recessions and depressions, and that can be psychological or economic. So the, there's this need to erect structure, structural reforms, um, and freedom from the Uranus part here. It's not, it's not always life enhancing. It can be habit producing or even narcissistic or irresponsible. So it's this important moment to be really conscious in addressing these systems and Saturn and Pluto can the benefit of that can be this wise regulation for the severe hardship like Saturn can be like the wise Senex archetype that's like I'm going to put restrictions on your um, irresponsible spending or your narcissistic kind of running off with not thinking of others um, so we've seen more of this in the last 12 years because Saturn in with Uranus, it, like just the drop of the bottom of the market. And right now we've got the Saturn-Uranus-Pluto T-square going on between 2008 and 2011. And that coincided with before the great economic collapse of the banks and this unemployment around the world. So we're seeing another one of those T-squares. In fact, uh only one of the T-squares one of the most powerful ones for 1933, the sudden global financial collapse of Uranus-Pluto square. So, you know, that's going to be radical change to our financial structures and systems. And yet we've got this this Uranus-Pluto dynamic happening as well, which is um, we we can't, you know, I think, well, in 2008 to 2011, we had these fundamental structural changes that were in response to these other collapses, like the Japanese nuclear disaster and the earthquake and tsunami. You were in Hawaii when that happened, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. I was in Hawaii and radiation was showing up in the (laughs) cow's milk when I was there. It was a strange time. I was actually going to go to Japan. My plan was to go to Hawaii and then Japan after that and those plans change.
0: Fukushima, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think in that way, again, with that um, that moment and the Saturn-Pluto-Uranus-Pluto in that moment was also about rethinking our modes of life. I mean, that was definitely when I was like, oh, wow. I'm so... We're so dependent on these... Global structures and maybe it's time to really get that garden going and things like that. <laughs> get some chickens. I think everybody felt that. Did in the everybody beginning get chickens of, <laughs> of
1: COVID? You know, I was like, yeah, start was... baking
0: bread and yeah, getting some chickens. Um, but right now, what Saturn is constellating for us is this direct will to mobilize resources and personal energies on behalf of the, a chosen purpose for sustained periods of time. So this is this hard labor of birth that's happening right now. We're having this, these Saturn contractions while Pluto's propelling and driving us with this volcanic strong elemental energy and it's just like when a mother feels I love the way Rick talked about this because I'm always thinking about what birth is because it isn't a detached spiritual enlightenment moment it's a divine feminine in your body felt experience of through the way he was putting it is through the contraction of Saturn the pushing the the um intensity but then you also have the plutonium hope of the life coming down the canal. So he put it like the mother feels the potency of nature's energies moving through her, simultaneously propelling in a Plutonian way, like Pluto but contracting in a Saturn way. So this combination of death, contraction. So you're dying to the old identity of the womb, separation from that past. And then there's this tremendous propulsion through contraction into this new organism, birth, or new identity. And so we're in the canal right now. We're we're globally, collectively in this birthing canal. And birth is not always pretty. <laughs> yeah. And it can be messy. And we're going to see... Um, old comforts and things just like changing and disappearing. But the opportunity for the new, we just have to kind of keep grounding down into what's being birthed and not clinging to what's dying, but staying in the moment and breathing Mm -hmm. and knowing we're in the long haul for the next few years during this death rebirth process. That's so potent. And, Baby going through the canal
1: has to have its will to live too. You know, the mother's doing the work, so that's the the astrology going on, the forces at play. But then there's our indiv- individual work, where we also have to have that will to persevere. Like Elisa was saying, rise up to the occasion. Uh, but you know, a birth usually comes with a scream, with a uh the baby comes out screaming. It's not we don't come out in this. We're not in a PC blissful state as we're coming out of a birth, usually. We're usually swearing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, you can feel that in the world right now.
0: And, you know, there are those stories of orgasmic birth and those different, you know, types of birth that we can manifest. Well, we're talking about birth
1: metaphorically. I'm sure that there's some physical births that are just But even as an
0: example, just what's happening astrologically isn't going to be... a a trine or sextile kind of planetary vibe for the birth. This is supposed to be an intense moment. The way Rick put it, I thought was really interesting was that, so it's this initiatory rite of passage and we're in the crucible right now. So, but, Anytime we psychologically change, it's really because of death. It's because we really do have a profound sense of uncertainty that has to accompany it on this scale because we have to feel like everything's kind of at risk. We have to feel like everything's on the line or it won't have with it the psychological power for the birthing to come through. So it's like it won't produce this profound moral reconfiguration of one's whole entire life and all of our values like facing death does when we really think we're going to die, when we really think this is it, that is what causes us to really reevaluate and to make lasting, serious changes. If, if it's not a big deal, we don't, change much, unfortunately, because I think the nature of humans is it doesn't have to be we always learn through hardness, but hardness does always teach us. And this is one of those moments. There's nothing like an encounter with death that really changes one inherently and reconfigures your cellular makeup to be able to feel that this is different. This will be different. And there's this opportunity to go through this more than ever before right now, because it's like our lives have all been orchestrating and accumulating into this moment. Um, so it's, and ultimately it's a life enhancing relationship. The purpose of this is to birth deeper meaning the way Rick put it is of our ensouled cosmos. And I love that idea that we have internally going on with us, what's, you know, planetarily happening. And right now there's this meaning, meeting and connection happening um, through this character building moment where we will see which structures and habits endure and which one it's time to do the work and the hard labor of what we birth right now that will last the rest of our lives. So it's so important to connect into your soul and really look at what do you really want? (laughs) I've talked to so many people in sessions recently that said, you know, over and over, this quarantine has really made me reevaluate. I've had the space and time to go in and see what wasn't working in terms of relationships, career, and what I want to have working. I think we've done that in terms of our parenting too, just having more time with the kids. We've really been like, oh, here's some things we've you know, like value on that we don't actually care about. And here's actually what we value. And how can we continue to make more time for that when we're out of this moment of quarantine? Yeah. yeah and I, as I said, in the last podcast where we talked about the matrix, which kind of is a partner, perfect partner with this podcast, you know, I have talked to about five people in the last two weeks who've passed from COVID. So it's also like really happening, but there's this opportunity so let's talk about the soul now that we've told you some of the astrological dynamics going on that makes sense of the intensity of the time let's talk about how we can help people to connect in to what their soul wants them to know and what to think about and take forward at this time yeah
1: Yeah. so now i think we're shifting brain states as we get into the soul information because I, I do feel a shift from yeah. like the astrological information mm-hmm. and then to, to now how does this apply to me? How do I uh, integrate this, incorporate this in and survive and so thrive? When
0: I types? connect into Sophia, my soul and I feel into this audience psychically and I feel like what do people need to hear and what do people want to know? And what do people just need to be connected to right now. And I think what soul offers. So what astrology offers is now we have the landscape and we have some kind of like
1: we have markers, a, yeah. some
0: markers of how to kind of what, how to notice and some things energetically and nuance and stuff. But what soul offers is how to be a true spiritual warrior. And how to find love no matter where you are, no matter what's appearing around you, how to take instructions from the internal world of the invisibles and guidance from within instead of reactivity from what is happening around us. And that is needed more than ever. I think our spiritual, political duty right now is to connect into love And to really assess when you're having a political conversation or you're navigating COVID-19 or your whatever is going on right now that you're really checking in, does this come from what I need to be doing on a spiritual level right now? Is this the best use of me in the world? And also assessing your energy, like... Because this is a marathon, not a sprint, sometimes it's okay to take breaks and to go in. It doesn't have to look external and and bold all the time. Part of our spiritual job is to sustain this for the next three to five years. So Three
1: to five? Well... You said two to three in astrology.
0: Yeah, Rick said two to three, but my sense is, you know, it's like that ripple thing earlier. Mm -hmm. Where I think, yes, it's going to be hot and heavy for two going into three. Yeah. And then I think up to five, we're going to, con- this is the psychic information I'm getting. Yeah. It'll be the um integration of those systems. So, yeah,
1: I love that. The ripple metaphor, uh, when we're talking about the astrology, because it just showed, it's like, we're all a part in this bigger divine drama. And it showed that it's more like these, almost emotional influences on us and then how do we respond and i think the soul wisdom really changes how we respond to and what's remembering
0: happening we were built for these times we yeah. incarnated to be here now we wanted to be here now i've talked to some spirits who crossed over recently because they were done and they wanted to be gone before this moment but yeah. if you're here now you're meant to be here now And your energy is needed. Your heart is needed. Your connection is needed. And so if you're listening to this, there's a soul reason you're meant to get this reminder to show up in an embodied way for your friends, for your family, for whoever you're around, every conversation you have, every even silent moment you're sending energy out around wherever you're located. That actually grounds and helps the collective awakening happen. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really easy to get caught up in what things look like and what the, you know, it's like the person who's making the loudest noise wins. And I think what spiritual warriors do is disconnect from that belief system and really understand that it's not about the greatest wave. It's actually about the most honest, authentic Um, wave and trusting your God nature, trusting that you're built to be you with your flaws and your gifts and you're part of this master plan right now. And that you have someone asked me today in a session, how can I serve the most right now? And a lot of it was like, trust your gifts, trust your you know, if you're great at sewing and like making masks, great. You know, if you're really enjoying teaching your children about creating ecosystems that are sustainable, great. If you're, there's so many ways to help. And I think a lot of times people ask me in sessions, what's my purpose? Your purpose is how you give in love and how you embody your soul. And that looks different for everyone. But I think it's, there's so many ways to give and love right now yeah look how many opportunities we have to be purposeful and to experience meaning through instead of you know chasing happiness we're going to serve and through that serving we're going to really feel our meaning yeah and in our soul, in our body.
1: It's way different doing soul work, uh, before all this, you know, or when your life, everything's perfect. And, but it's during these times when we do the soul work through these times where we really evolve, where we really evolve as people. So thank you all for listening. Uh, and you know, ask your soul, like, what do you want of me today? And just keep showing up in love as you.
0: And if you don't know what your soul is, a reframe is what would love tell me right now? What would love tell me today? Because your interpretation and understanding of love is your soul. So lots of love, everybody.